From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes to give everyone a better idea of what's going on in the world of wine, beer, and spirits this year. Today, I'm talking with Roman Tato, uh, Export Manager for Georges de Boeuf, about all things Beaujolais. Uh, Roman, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, we're going to have a, a really fun conversation today about, um, about Beaujolais. I mean, it's, it's, it's the holiday season. It's, you know, one of my favorite times of the year to drink Beaujolais. But I think a lot of people feel that way because they really only know one style of the wine, which is, you know, obviously the, the red, the crew, the village, et cetera. Can you explain, though, all the styles of Beaujolais uh, to sort of just kick us off and, and get the listeners interested in, in all of the, the different kinds of Beaujolais that we'll talk about today? Well, there are many kinds of Beaujolais. We have 12 appellations in Beaujolais. So uh, Beaujolais, Beaujolais Village, and 10 crews. Uh, I think it's uh, important to say that we're a wine region that's very unique in France. We're at the southern part of Burgundy. Uh, we make wine mostly from the Gamay grape. And basically, a lot of people are, know Beaujolais for, the, for Nouveau. Nouveau is a, a style of wine. But we do uh, many more wines uh, beyond Nouveau and that you can enjoy uh, all year long. So in terms of those styles, obviously you have uh, the, the Cru Beaujolais, which has become really popular in places like New York, you know, Los Angeles, San Francisco over the last, you know, four to five years. Um, I mean, now even where I go to wine lists and, and if you're looking for uh, Beaujolais, there's like 10 Cru Beaujolais on the list. Um, and they've gotten more expensive, which is a bummer for me. Uh, but... <laughs> But, but they they're absolutely delicious. But what what other um, what other wines can we can we find from Beaujolais besides the crew? From Beaujolais, you can find um, you can find Beaujolais the the, the simple uh, Beaujolais, which I always find refreshing and delicious. And I'd like to see more of these on the wine list. And we see also Beaujolais Village. Let's not forget Beaujolais Village. That's thirty eight villages tucked in between the the entry Beaujolais and the Cru Beaujolais, and you find. Uh, fantastic values in Beaujolais Village, and I really think it's it's really a an appellation that has a lot of uh, of future uh, in uh, in the U.S. People, you know, starting with Cru Beaujolais, going to Beaujolais Village. Usually, you work your way up uh, the other way around. You now you go from Beaujolais to Beaujolais Village to Cru Beaujolais. But a lot of people nowadays are introduced uh, to the region through the cruise of Beaujolais, and soon they can discover that. Uh, Beaujolais Village and Beaujolais offers fantastic values and great profiles of wine. So what do you, I mean, you're the export manager for, for Deboeuf, one of the, is Deboeuf the largest producer of Beaujolais in, in the region? We're one of uh, the largest, but we don't consider ourselves uh, in, in, in this term. We're still family-owned right. and operated, and we work with hundreds of small, uh, of small family of vintners. To give you an idea, um, the average the average size of the domains that we purchase grapes from uh, for our winery is three three hectares. So that's about eight acres. That's the average size. So very so small producers. Small producers. <laughs> small producer, super tiny producer. And it's a patchwork of small family-owned and operated uh, winery that we work with generation to generation. So as the export manager, I'm sure you have a, a pretty good uh, insight into you know, the, the explosion of, of Beaujolais in the U.S. over the past, like I said, five to 10 years. What do you think is fueling that? So what is it about Beaujolais that has gotten so many people excited about it uh, over the last decade? Um, what do you think, you know, has, has the region repositioned itself? Um, is it just that, you know, we've moved as an American wine drinking 
culture in your mind to those, you know, brighter, uh, higher acid wines that Beaujolais really is known for. Um, what are you sort of seeing when you, when you look at the market in terms of why you think Americans are, are falling in love with, with this region now? You know, first, I think it's, it's because it's simply delicious. Beaujolais is delicious. And what I saw over the 10 years I've been selling wine to the U.S., so 10 years ago, I, go, I would go to, to a restaurant in New York and the sommelier would say, okay, I love Beaujolais. I drink it at home, but I don't put it on the wine list because people don't know Beaujolais or don't understand Beaujolais. But we need right. people like sommelier or uh, even in, in wine shops or even sometimes, you know, in larger supermarkets, uh, you have uh, wine that people that know wine, we need people to hand sell the wine and to talk about the wine. If you So all this sommelier was saying, okay, if you love the wine, it's your job to transmit that passion and tell these stories to your to people attending your restaurant or going to your shop. And if the wine is delicious, then it can fill a need. And I think that uh, maybe the newer generation, but actually all generation can love Beaujolais, but people are, are trying to go away from over extracted to big to uh, to alcohol to tannic wines uh, over the top and trying to go to something more aromatic, uh, fresher, lighter bodied with less alcohol that would actually is much more pleasurable with food. For example, why do you think the wine gets such a you know has such a nice connection to the holidays? Right. I mean, obviously, I drink Beaujolais all the time throughout the year. Um, but I feel like around the holidays, everyone thinks about bringing it, uh, you know, to to homes with all the. Is it just because it pairs so well with all of the different dishes, um, or because it's so festive, or is that, or has there been you think sort of a a strategic marketing plan in order to do that? And is it the same in France as it is here that we think of it as, as such a holiday wine, or is it really an American phenomenon? It's, it's I, I would say it's it's an American phenomenon. Uh, of course, uh, in, in France we drink Beaujolais all year long. All year long, and in the U.S., it has to go with uh, the most festive wine that we have. Uh, you know, we like to say our wines can be uh, festive. We also have wines that are more expressive, uh, and some that are actually exceptional. So, actually, for for let's take you no, know, we're just a few days after Thanksgiving. You can really imagine uh, going to your family's place for uh, Thanksgiving dinner. You're going to start with perhaps a festive wine like Beaujolais Nouveau, mm -hmm. and you know, with a nice chill refreshing it's cheerful and then you will will go to a Beaujolais village and have uh, maybe a, open a cru Beaujolais with a few years in the bottle uh, for the the main course of the dinner so I think it's uh, it's really something that 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 uh, historically has paired very well with the, the holidays and something has to do with uh, Nouveau itself because it's coming a week before Thanksgiving and basically people shop uh, go shopping the weekend before Thanksgiving, and that's where Beaujolais, uh, it can be Nouveau or other Beaujolais are in stores at the time. So I think it's a, it's a coincidence, but it's a good coincidence for us. And it's also wine that is great for the holidays. That makes a lot of sense. So in terms of, of the wine, um, you know, what what is it, what should people be looking for um, when they're looking for Beaujolais? What, what flavor should they be picking up? Um, what's what's the tip? How would you describe the typical style of the wine for both you know members of the trade who are selling the wine and also consumers who are interested in getting into the wine for the first time? But you see, it, it's uh, there is no there is no straight answer to that. You know, first you know, just open the, open the bottle and 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 taste by yourself. You know, there is nothing uh, I hate more than when people say, "Okay, you should 
taste that, you should smell yeah. that, and you should get that this aroma. Just okay, you have a nose. Uh, if it's fun functioning a little <laughs> bit, you can get some. You can get some aromas. And uh, typically, to generalize, we would say that you will find Beaujolais that are light to medium bodied, very aromatic. So actually, a lot of things going on uh, on on the arom uh, on the aromatic side. And then we, you have a wine that has uh, a good acidity, which is super important in wine and has been too too much for, forgotten i think um but you know great acidity very balanced very supple and a lot of fruit but you know that's i'm generalizing because if you're right. comparing a, a one-year-old beaujolais to a 10 years old morgon or fleury it's night and day so it's a wine that actually uh, offer a, a very diverse palette uh aromatic palette and there is no straight answer to your question, uh, Adam, but right. uh, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, as many answers as there are people tasting wine. Right. So there, I mean, it can be, it can be very festive, but then it can also be, you know, an end sort of light and uh, fun, but then it can also be very age worthy and, exactly. uh, and deliver. I mean, exactly. yeah, that's, 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 that's why I love the wine. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what's happening in, in Beaujolais now. So first, you know, obviously there's been a flood of interest in the U.S. What's happening in terms of, you know, winemaking in Beaujolais? Are we seeing in, in the same way you see excitement of other regions around the world, a rush of new people coming into the region to make wine, new generations taking over? Can you talk to me a little bit about that? So there is actually a, a, an analogy I like to say. Uh, I think you're, you're broadcasting from, uh, from Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. I, I yeah. used to live in Brooklyn myself for a couple of years, you know, uh, back 10 years ago. And to me, I would say Beaujolais is to Burgundy what uh, Brooklyn is to Manhattan. So okay. I, don't, I don't know, you know, take it I like off. that, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I mean, you, you do see a lot more Beaujolais on Brooklyn wine list than Manhattan. Yeah, exactly. Wine, so but <laughs> you see, I was, I, I couldn't, I, I tried to live, I, I tried to live in Manhattan, but after one month, I, le I, I left Manhattan, I went to, to Brooklyn and I found, you know, a, a better rent and also uh, a better vibe. And it's the same in, in Beaujolais. I, my, personally, I love Burgundy, but you know, who can afford the rent? It's it's hard to be a newcomer in Burgundy, whereas in Beaujolais, the price of the land is uh, is much less, and you can really go there, and start your start your your winery, and and really um, express yourself and and try new things. And you that so that's why it's it's a fantastic wine region. You know, George Duboeuf himself is not from was not originally from Beaujolais. He was from the neighboring region of Maconnais, from Puy-Fusset, and he went to Beaujolais. To to re really uh, embrace the world of wine. Oh wow! And so, how many people who are coming to it is is it? Am I understanding you correctly that a lot of people that are coming to Beaujolais now to make wine are from outside of the region as opposed to people inside the region or the next generation making wine, or is it is it sort of both at the same? It's time? It's a combination. It's a combination. You have uh, people who are starting and came from other places. And fell in love with Beaujolais. For example, our head our head winemaker at Dubuff is originally from Champagne, and he fell in love with Beaujolais. Uh, and you have people also that are native to Beaujolais and bring their own philosophy. So it's a new generation, and maybe they learn from their parents or grandparents, but they want to to bring their own their own way of doing things. And the change also comes from the change of generation. We also have at Dubuff a change of, of generation that uh, translates into the, the winemaking as well. 
Interesting. Are you seeing too the excitement from people from outside of France moving to Beaujolais to make wine? Is that is that a thing that's very common or not oh, as much? I don't have a lot of example of that. There must be. I'm sure there must be. Uh, I know there are a lot of connection between Beaujolais and other regions of France. For example, right. you have some uh, some vignerons, some vi- winemaker who go go to Oregon to 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 do a, a few harvests. And yeah. vice versa, or beside Oregon or Oregon, you have uh, California. Um, yeah, ourselves, no, we we had like all our winemaker, our head winemaker also was trained in Oregon, and spent time also in uh, in Sonoma. Uh, we have people going to all all major wine uh, wine uh, regions in the world. So it's a it's an exchange. You know, we're not close to the rest of the world. We see the trends. And we're very happy when people are inspired by Beaujolais. You know, for example, when I go to Napa and I see winemaker doing uh, 15.5 Cabernet that uh, drink Beaujolais at home, I'm super happy. <laughs> That's actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So are we seeing then the style evolve as well? I mean, obviously, um, we've seen the, the taste preferences on the on the U.S. market evolve from people, you know, first coming in contact with Nouveau and then really getting to to realize that there's this whole, you know, really fine wine behind Nouveau is kind of the the banner that that built the name in in the U.S. Are are a lot of people who are moving to the region are they bringing new uh, techniques and things like that that people and are they changing the way that uh, the wine is made in, in some regards or are there a lot of people moving in and really sort of honoring the the tradition and the history of the way that this wine's been made for generations so i can say uh, okay i want to talk to you you know there there are a lot of uh, there are as many way of making beaujolais as there are uh, winemakers so i i can talk for what i know from from uh, for george duboeuf uh, you know at, at duboeuf what we realized is that for for years we tried maybe we tried to to look at our neighbors and so we are in Beaujolais and we are looking north to Burgundy and we are looking south to, to Côte du Rhône and we, we okay we try to experiment and and try to do things differently but now at Dubuff what we we decided to do is to go back to uh to what Beaujolais is all about so we're uh, we are big on semi-carbonic maceration uh, a lot okay. of people decided to to uh to distem partially or, or, or completely and we are we are back on on full cluster uh, on whole cluster fermentation we're trying not to extract too much we think that, that you know for maybe for some years we were looking back like 15 years ago uh the general the general rule was to try to get as much extraction as you can but is it really what people are looking for when they buying a Beaujolais? Are you looking to for over extracted wine, or are you looking for something more aromatic, more refreshing? So that's uh, the kind of um, um, thinking we have going on here uh, among uh, winemakers at, at Dubuff. And I would say that now we are going back to basics, uh, and what makes Beaujolais very special and different from other regions. Can you explain just a little bit for listeners who maybe aren't as familiar? the the process of of carbonic or semi carbonic maceration and what it does to the wine and maybe explain why you why you've decided to to go back to it the the, the semi carbonic maceration is something we've always done at Dubuff but what i'm saying is that we're taking pride in what makes Beaujolais and that's something very important for us is 
being proud of what we are and what makes Beaujolais different. So to your question about semi-carbonic maceration, we will always use the word semi-carbonic maceration because there is no adjunction of carbon dioxide in the winemaking process. So basically, semi-carbonic maceration, we're going to harvest. In Beaujolais, we hand harvest the grape um, in majority. And we're going to do whole cluster fermentation. So basically, the whole bunch of, uh, of the gamay grape is going into the tank and we're going to close the tank and the fermentation is going to, uh, to start within the berries themselves. So we have uh, the fermentation uh, that is going to induce uh, carbon dioxide in, inside the, the fermenting tank. So we have what we call uh, hypoxia. I don't know if I pronounce it well, but we're going to lose, um, we're going to, to fill up the tank with carbon dioxide, and then it will induce a uh, anaerobic process inside the intact berries. So basically, you're going to have a fermentation within the berries themselves. So I like to say each berry is going to become its own fermenting tank. And that's why that's what we call intracellular fermentation, and that's what gives the fruitiness to the wine. So that very unique process to Beaujolais, it's, it's something actually that suits very well the, uh, the Gamay grape and that uh, we really enjoy uh, uh, in Beaujolais. So with the explosion, I mean, you obviously, both prior to COVID, traveled a lot, I would assume, as the export manager. With the explosion of sort of the, or the, the rise in popularity of, of, you know, Beaujolais, I've seen a lot of people throughout the rest of the world doing much more carbonic maceration than they used to. Um, do you think that that is in part due to the rise in, in Beaujolais' popularity? I think there is something to do with that. I see, uh, I saw some some Gamay Nouveau from or Pinot Noir Nouveau from uh, from Sonoma, from, mm-hmm. from Oregon. We see a lot of region doing carb- semi-carbonic maceration, and it, it has to do. I I, I hope that it's uh, an inspiration by uh, by the Beaujolais region, and uh, and you know we're happy to share the technique, and people trying to learn this are welcome to come to to Beaujolais and uh, learn alongside our very talented winemakers that we have all over the region of Beaujolais. You see, in Beaujolais, we like to bring people together to share uh, techniques, to share ideas, to share a good meal, a bottle of wine. So that's why, you know, nowadays it's a, <laughs> it's a little, uh, it's a little sad not being able to, to welcome as many people as we, we wish we could. So, I mean, to, just to touch on briefly, because you brought it up, I, I'd like to talk a little bit because we It'd be, uh, you know, we'd be ignoring it if we didn't about the COVID's impact on on the region and the winemaking. How has it impacted uh, this year? At first, you see, it's, uh, it's, we think first of all people, for example, uh, when we had the lockdown in France, it's, it's not the same thing being locked down when you live in the countryside and you're working all day long in your vineyard than if you're in a two-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn or uh, it's not the same. So we were actually uh, living a different experience of the lockdown. And we stopped traveling because of that. Uh, and we spent more time in the vineyard. And personally, I reconnected much more with uh, with nature, with, uh, with the vineyard, with the pace of the vineyard. So it, actually, it was the best, the, the best place to be uh, among all places you could be uh, during that time. So it's been, it's been challenging. 
it's been challenging, but actually, you know, Beaujolais is one of the, the region in France that's still doing well, even though uh, we have this uh, COVID crisis and other crises in the U.S. So Beaujolais is still doing well. It's one of the two regions in, in, uh, in, in France that are actually uh, rising in popularity worldwide. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a delicious, approachable wine, so it makes a lot of sense. Exactly. So it's been a challenge, a little bit challenge for for the for the hand pickers, uh, because we we hand pick in Beaujolais. So we had twenty five thousand uh, hand pickers coming for the harvest. So that was a little challenging to to ensure their their health, to make sure their everyone's healthy. For us, the impact uh, is not so big, uh, but we are trying to make sure first that everybody's safe and we can have a good condition for everyone. And, and you know, work cannot travel, but the wine can still travel and cross borders. So that's the most important. Right. And so then how was harvest this year? So this year, actually, you know, it's a, it was a very extreme year. Uh, we had extreme temperature, very high temperature. Very, uh, it's been a very dry year and we had a very early harvest. So basically, we had a very early uh, bud burst at the end of March. April, May, uh, the months of April and May were uh, very warm and dry and sunny. And even the flowering stage, you know, we like to say that the, the flowers happen 100 days before the harvest. And that was very early in Beaujolais, so at the end of the month of May. So everything was early, very, very warm and dry. And the month of July actually was the third driest since, since 1964. So with all that... We harvested, we started harvesting around the 20th of August, which is very, very early. So that's the earliest since 2003. Uh, super early harvest, but we had a nice phenolic ripeness, nice structure and colors, uh, very good aromatic elegance. And what we find in the wine is that they are very balanced and uh, we felt a lot of freshness. So it's too early to tell for the the cruise and most of the Beaujolais and village that will be bottled in a few months, but we think we're on track for fantastic vintage. Wow! So do you think? Yeah, will it, will it create more uh, um, a richer Beaujolais because it was so hot in July? I mean, are there the characteristics that that the winemakers are already discussing? They think that they will get from these grapes compared to a harvest that would have you know wouldn't have been as early or wouldn't have had as as dry of a month of July. Uh, we actually, you know, we're always afraid when when it's it's too when it's too warm, you you can lose uh, you can lose balance. Uh, you can lose acidity. You can lose balance and have something that's almost a caricature, uh, you know, with uh, cooked fruit aromas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and we're not having that. Uh, we we can, you know, that's one of the reasons we we decided to harvest early is to really capture freshness and make sure we have wines that are balanced. So. Typically, we'll have more dark fruits than red fruits this year, and and some some wines are going to be a little higher in alcohol than the average of the last ten years. But overall, it's very balanced, and we still uh, we still find very good aromatics. Well, Roman, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with me today. I know that you're incredibly busy, um, especially given everything that's going on in the world. So I I appreciate the you know twenty minutes or so that we spent uh, this morning talking about about Beaujolais. I plan to, as always, have it on my holiday table. It is my absolute favorite wine to pair with oh, anything. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you, Adam. the holidays. 100%. Um, 
one of my favorite wines in general. But so I, it's always a, a joy to talk about this wine that I love so much. So it's thank fantastic. you so much for Merci. Thank you for promoting the wine and talking about it. We need people to be the ambassador of Beaujolais and I'm glad that you're one of them. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced by myself and Zach Jabal. It is also mixed and edited by him. Yeah, Zach, we know you do a lot. I'd also like to thank the entire Vine Pair team, including my co-founder, Josh, and our associate editor, Kat Lewinsky. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.